Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Thank you guys so much. Um, this, uh, this is a message that I've been kind of, maybe if you've asked me, like, hey, how you feeling? I've been like, dude, it's going to be fun. Um, I, I still feel like it's going to be fun, but um, I feel an even more urgency and, like, that not is it just, like, kind of an exciting, kind of twisted, weird, dark topic that we're also, like, enticed, like, with these types of topics sometimes. Um, but it's also so many of us are in the dark about the reality of what type of warfare we're under. And we're thinking that we are just simply people with bad thoughts and with bad intentions and, and that that's just the way that it is and we need to self-modify ourselves. But it just stays a self-modification. It's something that some of us never truly overcome and see freedom in the fullest extent the way that Jesus wants to. Um, so this message is, is a message about uh, spiritual warfare. Um, it's about going to educate us on, on demons and demonization. Um, and break some of the myths that most much of the church kind of carries around um, that is uh, keeping us from being fullest to the free to the fullest extent, right? right? So we know that, um, hopefully we know that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you can't have a demon. So we know that um, Jesus himself, Satan, could have a personal conversation with him in the desert. Why couldn't he do that to you, right. you know? Um, so these are, that's just the number one myth that is kind of like, okay, we just got to get that out of the way. We can move forward. So what does it look like to walk with Christ while also understanding that there is uh, principalities of darkness that are coming against us and how we fight and war against to be free. And a lot of it, like Matt was saying, is a big point that I'm going to hit as well is identity, uh, as well as authority. So we're actually going to have some questions pop up, or not questions, um, we're actually going to have, you guys have the ability to text in questions, if you have questions about this particular topic. But what I want to do first is I would just want to cover some of the uh, groundwork, maybe some of the basic things of demonology, that, um, so we don't have to waste time on it. And throughout my message, um, we're going to move forward, kind of break some of these myths, um, the number one is Christians uh, can't have demons. Simply not true. The reason uh, that that is, is that, like I said before, Jesus was followed around in the desert by Satan himself, right? We know that uh, Paul had a thorn in his side, which is a demon given to him to torment him, keep him humble. What does that mean? A billion people think a billion different things. But nonetheless, he had a spiritual attack and attachment to him that was holding him down right? So um, we have those same things, and much of us, and especially in our culture, just are better off staying ignorant to those things instead of really engaging and realizing that it's real when most other cultures don't have such a materialistic way about them, but they actually uh, work in the supernatural a little bit more, and they understand, like, oh yeah, it's not hard for me to wrap my head around. So if you believe in angels, which most American folks do, you should believe in demons too. They're same thing, just opposite opposite sides. They're not the same. I'm sorry, angels. You're not you're not demons. I'm so sorry. That's offensive. And one of them's like, wait a minute, Cupid's up there, ready to pop me. Um, but 
<laughs> but um, they're not the same, but they are, um, they were created with the same, uh, same ideas in mind originally. Um, so um, if you want to put up the phone number that you guys can text, I'm just going to kind of uh, continue on with my message. Um, and it's an anonymous number. I don't know what this looks like. I'm waiting. The next slide. Matt drew that, by the way. He drew that picture. And it will be there. Boom. Okay. Um, so if you have any questions as I go on, if I've answered it, then you don't need to ask it already. But um, so what uh, the objective for me is, is that you be educated to war on afterwards, as well as be delivered of anything that is currently holding and attaching to you right now in this moment. What it might feel like as we're speaking in authority and directly pointing out this demon right in the face and saying, hey, I know what you look like, I know the way that you sound and you can't be here anymore. It's gonna be something that um, is gonna make you think that I'm crazy. I've had that before. Um, it's going to, well, actually, but most people think I'm crazy, actually, a little bit. But especially when it comes to this topic, if I'm speaking over this and there is just, it's really, really difficult for you to focus. So I'm watching you people. If I see that characteristic of you can't focus, I'm calling you out at the end of this and we're going to get that thing out because that's no good, right? So um, uh, one story um, that pertains to that might shed a little bit of light on what that like exactly looks like. One of my buddies, his name is Evan, and he was in my cabin at uh, a camp that I counsel. Not this Evan, um, a different one. But we were counseling at a, at a camp, and I told the entire camp of counselors, I said, this year you're going to see things happen in this camp with healing and with miracles like you've never seen before. And the entire time, I didn't know this until later, but the entire time when I was talking, every time that I would talk, he had a voice in his head that was involuntary and wasn't his own that was telling him, dude, this guy's nuts. Don't listen to him. That's not true. That's not true. And just keeps, and he's like, in his, his own mental conflict, he's trying to believe me. He wants, he knows that, that, that it's possible. He knows that it's real. He knows that, that God is good. And he knows that God is more capable than what he's, he's seen previously, but he has this attachment that is speaking contrary to that. Um, so demons, they love to give ideas. If you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, what did the demon do? It didn't force, uh, or what did uh, the serpent do? It didn't force them to do anything. What it did is it presented ideas and twisted things so that they could, act, they could either take that or they could reject that. Um, so there is a lot that kind of plays into it, but really the, the kind of the amount of demonization that we might hold ourselves is uh, the amount of ideas given and rejected or the amount of ideas that we've been given and have received and taken. So what happens a lot of time when it comes to our de identity is that we have been, uh, this, these demons are, are literally trying to learn everything about you. It's their job. This is what they do. They want to know how they can find their end to disrupt and create a little seed of doubt or uh, a little fracture of what something that should have been good into something horrible until they can really make it a massive, massive thing. Um, so what that can look like is um, it could be uh, uh, an issue that you have had in your past with your, with your dad. For me personally, it was uh, 
I needed to be uh, an achiever. I needed to achieve things in order to feel loved. So that was a, an end that even though my dad loves me a ton, my dad's a great dad, it was still an end where this, this demon could see and be like, okay, I can really like make him go to the darkest depths in order for him to achieve stuff by unholy means because that's a crazy desire in his heart that he wants to be accepted. But the way that he knows from his history and from his upbringing is that the he, only way that he's going to feel accepted and loved is if he achieves first. It's the only way that he can feel loved. And that's just, a, that's just one example of an end that uh, a demon might have. It's a little bit, it could be different for everybody. Um, one thing that I want to key in on that I, I said on, uh, that I actually saw in a movie, it's called Father Stew, with Mark Wahlberg. It's kind of good. I don't actually recommend it. It's not that good, but I did watch it. Uh, <laughs> but there's one great quote. And they said, we, uh, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We need to connect with that and understand where our actual resting place is and that we are just vessels carrying out what the Lord wants for us. Um, um, so during this message, I'm not preaching to your human nature I'm trying to preach to your, to your spiritual nature. Um, have we got any questions yet, Matt? You, you find a good one. We'll, we'll hit that real quick. Um, while he's doing that, I wanted to kind of explain, explain a portion of the gospel that really has the, the greatest authority that we can really march on holding on to that really delivers so much authority in our lives. So Jesus himself, he gave up his life. It was not taken from him. He gave up his life. And he was descended into Hades for three days. And it says in Revelation um, 1.18. i gotta, I got to find I wasn't prepared for that to bring it up. Oh, shoot. This is embarrassing. In my highlights. There it is. Oh, sorry, Matt. Oh, geez. It's in Romans 1.18. I'm so, so sorry, Matt. Yeah, I'll find it. Here it is. Really easy to find on my phone. Um, so, he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Um, and he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I've taken the keys of death in Hades. This is a crazy awesome thing. So imagine this. This is, this, is, this is nuts, and this is the way I like to think about it. I don't know exactly if this is how it went down. I'm really excited to ask God, because I want to watch Jesus' stories in a movie, you know, when I get to heaven. But this is how I imagine it. Jesus dies, and everybody in hell, everybody on the dark side is, is so excited, and they're absolutely amped, because they, that, was, that was what they wanted. They wanted him to pass they, they're like, he even gave him his, his life up really fast. We did it pretty quick. This guy's out of here. They're partying. They're partying hard in hell. It's a crazy party. I'm sure it is. But then, the man himself, Jesus shows up. And I, it, it was either him taking the keys right off the table and then just piecing out, or him going right up to Lucifer himself and with all of his authority just saying, give me those keys. And he just left. Um, all authority has been given to him to do 
whatever he wants to. So when we're looking at um, uh, when we're looking at the scripture where there's the the legion of demons, um, what we see is that this demon this this demon possessed man actually runs to Jesus and says, "What have you to do with me, Jesus?" Like he says, "Don't cast me out of the country." Like send us over into those pigs. These demons have to ask Jesus permission. They ran and they had to beg for mercy because they, they said, it says as soon as Jesus hit the shore, the guy was there. He knew that there was a presence so strong that they could not defend themselves against that they had to do something about it. Um, I want you to imagine that when we were dead in sin, we were stealing again and again from God. We were racking up a 90, $999 billion debt. We're stealing from God, and he's just like, I don't like that, but, you know, I love you, and I'm not going to, like, smite you down right now, but we're just stealing. We're giving it to the devil. We're stealing, giving it to the devil. And then at one point, we said, you know what? I don't want to live this way anymore. And you look at Jesus, and, and he looks at you, and you realize how awesome and incredible your debt is, and that it is absolutely impossible for you to pay it back to him. You have $999 billion that you owe to this guy that you stole everything from, and you have to somehow pay it back. He looks at you, and he's like, you're like, I know that I'm not worthy to be with him, and I don't want to be with the devil anymore, but I want to be with Jesus. And you look at him, you have no job, even if you did have a job to pay a little bit of it back, your currency exchange wouldn't even work to be able to pay him the amount in the right currency that it needs to be paid for you to make it into heaven. And you're just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, absolutely hopeless with no way to get in and to be with him. And you, you're, you feel as though you have sealed your fate to be with this guy that you hate and makes you hate yourself. But then Jesus looks you in the eye and he says, I'll pay that. You know how crazy that is? That's like, I stole a million dollars from Matt, and I gave it to some bum. And then I come up to Matt, and I'm like, Matt, I'm sorry I stole all your money. He's like, no problem, I'll pay your debt. I stole it from him, though. Isn't that weird? That's how radical Jesus is, how much he loves you. And on top of that, he's paying a debt that you stole in the first place, that you have no right to be carrying uh, with you, the authority and the goodness and the Holy Spirit within you, but he wants to give you everything. One of those things being um, authority. Can we hit uh, one of the questions, Matt? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's hitting the mic. This is professional. Uh, podcasting purposes. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, this one comes from 616. No, kidding. Um, <laughs> here, this is really good. How do you identify the difference between a spiritual attack and a worldly sickness? How do you identify the difference between a demonic attack and a worldly sickness? So we're talking specifically about sickness and not like mental stuff, perhaps. Um, that is a great question. So one thing is if it is a worldly sickness or a, a bodily sickness, a physical sickness, or if it's a demon. Either way, you, you have the authority to get rid of it and to, for it to be healed, right? So along the process, you, I guess, if you wanted to be more specific, you could say, all right, Lord, uh, 
I feel like there's more, there's going to be more characteristics of a demon attached to that certain thing. If a person is, um, like, like if you pray a certain way and it kind of acts up more times than other times, then I would say that that's probably more so uh, going to be a demonic illness. If like you're in worship or you're in something like this and you get headaches or whatever it might be, and it seems like whenever you're absolutely supposed to focus and be with the Lord, you get something that acts up and something is kind of like squeezing and something's wrong. The analogy that I like to use is if you've ever seen a, a tree that has a chain wrapped around it and the tree still grows even though the chain is there and the chain is like engulfed within the tree. What that is kind of happening with that discomfort is that you're pulling that chain out of the tree. You're pulling that almost like barbed wire that's been grown and woven into your flesh and that's kind of being yanked a little bit. Or it could just simply be a play of the devil where he's like, I'm just going to give them a headache because I don't want them to receive or to focus on what's going on. But at the end of the day, um, whether it's one thing or it's another thing, you have all authority to be able to get rid of those types of things. The physical illness becoming an identity. Um, that is, she should have texted it in. Oh my gosh. Um, so um, that um, is, I think that that would be like a degree of both. Um, so if you have a physical identity, that like all weakness, all things that are not like upright in the way that the Lord wants you to be can be used and tweaked uh, to become a part of your identity. So what we have seen in the past, which I'm sure you might have friends of people that are, are like this, is they have an illness or they have something so bad that they simply almost like, they want to be healed, but it's also kind of how they get attention. It's also kind of how they're popular and how they have woven themselves into relying on other people or whatever it might be, that they simply don't want to be healed. They, don't, they wouldn't say that. They would say that they want to be healed. However, they're terrified of what freedom would look like, and these spirits would be opposing and pressing them down from understanding what true freedom could be. So, um, so demons are motivated by fear. So every single time that we see a visitation, well, not every single time, but most times we see a visitation from God or we see a visitation from angels, what's the first sentence that normally comes out of their mouth. Not greetings. <laughs> it's don't be afraid. Maybe they say greetings and then don't be afraid. I don't know. I think greetings is more of an alien thing. I think that's what aliens say. Uh, but, demon, but angels, they normally come up and they say, don't be afraid. I wonder why they say that. What I think is that demons are absolutely motivated to the highest extent by fear. That is a characteristic that, that moves and motivates uh, demons in a way that the Lord doesn't want us to identify with. What the Lord is coming and saying to us by saying, don't be afraid, is because he wants to first and foremost, right out the gate, establish what it looks like to be in a right relationship with him. And that doesn't accompany fear, it accompanies uh, all confidence in knowing that you've been cleaned by the grace of the Lord and that he actually wants you to be able to stand up boldly and have a real relationship with him rather than being cowering in absolute fear. And that's why I, that's why I do stuff. I preach or I, you know, be nice to people or I try to live a Christian life because I'm terrified of what happens if I don't. That's not the case at all. That's not how we operate as Christians. That's how a lot of other religions, if you, think, if you look at it, 
operate because they're being operated by demonic entities rather than the Lord. And they're being so motivated and pushed forward by fear rather than the security and the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that you swim probably your fastest when you're scared? Have you ever, like, had something tickle your feet? And then you're just, you're just gone? And you swim so fast, you're like, dude, if I can manipulate that and do that in the Olympics, dude, I would be Michael Phelps. Um, so it's the, it's the exact same thing, that we need to take uh, the demonic realm very, very seriously because they have one of the absolute greatest motivators that can exist. They are terrified because they know who has the power. And what they are terrified in this moment right here is that you would realize the authority that you have that Jesus has given you. And that is what they're absolutely terrified of right now. Um, is there another question, Maddie? Loads. This, this, one's, this one's interesting. Um, could a demon cause an unhealthy attachment issue uh, to, to people as a whole, specifically um, friendships, codependency, relationships? Like, could there be demonic influence causing unhealthy attachments? Oh, yeah, 100%. So there's, um, uh, I guess what that would look like is um, the similar thing that might interact with, like, how you're identifying so much with your sickness you're identifying, like, okay, so, like, negative people, they normally herd together. Why? Because they're all capitalizing on each other's weaknesses, and it's what they like to surround themselves with, right? So that would, that would be, like, an example of what I would think that is similar to that, is there's just such a negativity and a lack of hope and uh, almost like a weird, twisted comfort that people are finding. And if they can find somebody else who identifies in that same way rather than challenges them, that things can get better, that the Lord is good, that they could carry on, and that there's people that, you know, within the church that are very, very negative and have the same kind of thing. And if they're looking for, like, I tell you what, they're not going to want to talk to me. You know, I'm not, I'm not listening to that negative stuff, dude. You know, like, if, if you're really negative, you're not talking to people who are going to build up and hope and see greater things in your life. You're actually going to look for people who are going to be able to identify and be like, no, nah, I totally hear you. They want people to agree with them, yeah. right? Yeah. And here, we shouldn't be a people that are going to agree with them. We should be wildly, wildly optimistic about what the Lord can do in their life. Um, is there another question, Matt? Bro, we got questions for days. Uh, this is going to be good. Um, I really like this one, and if you need help. Tell me, um, how do you identify a demonic voice? How do you identify a demonic voice? If you want to go at this one as well, I'm, I'm totally, totally cool with that as well. Um, normally, uh, like I said earlier, what it, what it can sound like is something that is um, completely contrary to um, the situation, like my friend Evan, where it was just kind of like completely contradicting the need to listen. Right, so it can be something like that. It can also come, come to you in dreams, um, where there's just like terrible, terrible dreams. One of my good friends, they are, um, were just having like crazy, crazy nightmares. Like, like he felt like he was in hell, and every night he would be scared to fall asleep because of these nightmares coming to him, 
and he's just like exhausted and he can't sleep. So we're like, dude, that's a hundred percent. Like that's a demon. Or if yeah. it's like an idea or like maybe, maybe what is happening is there's a thought process so ingrained in you that you like can't overcome it. And it's almost like wild for you to even think any differently. When I say like, no, this is the way Jesus feels about you. This is what Jesus says about you. And you have to justify and twist and try to think like, uh, yeah, I don't know this or that. Like that's, that's a, a pretty bad sign that there's, there's something going on that is like trying to talk you out of it. If you in here know exactly what you believe and you know what the truth is, but you can't get your head to line up with it, then that's a, that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I would only piggyback that and say um, there's also really cunning ways that the devil and the demonic move where I think of Adam and Eve uh, specifically where he goes, uh, did God really say? And he just takes the slightest twist on scripture. Like he could take anything and it's like, uh, Jesus says, um, I came to give you life and light to the full, but what, what does a full life really look like? And it's that slightest doubt, that slightest tainting. I think that's really good to be aware of. Like, if you're not well-versed in the Word of God, building yourself up in the Word of God, um, and he comes to twist Scripture, you won't be able to recognize God's voice from a demonic voice because they're going to sound so similar, except there's a punctuation mark off, there's a, there's a flange off, there's a, a word replacing another word, and it's going to sound God-like but completely hell-bound. So that's what I would say. Yeah, that's, that's gold, Matt. Um, one major tool to combat that, it would be, be a shame if we talked about this stuff and didn't talk about combat. Um, it is spiritual warfare after all, right? Um, so one of the greatest weapons against, like we talked about earlier, is identity and authority. So uh, knowing your rightful place with God uh, cannot be beaten by demons. If you know for a fact what the truth is, and you have to cling on to that. For a while, you, those things might come and try to come against you and make you think differently. You have to reject those thoughts. And you have to keep on carrying on with knowing what the absolute truth is, as well as cleaning up your lifestyle and what it might look like for you to take care of your body physically and what you're seeing and what you're listening to. Because why would you help the demon do its job, right? And that's what we do a lot is kind of like justify in our culture what it looks like to live an American life is, well, you're going to watch this TV show. Everyone likes it. It's really good. But you might struggle with sexual sin. And, you know, there's just a lot of that going on in Game of Thrones. You know, Game of Thrones, literally from what I've heard, is the best show. If, if, if Game of Thrones go by another name, it would be the show for Zack Kramer. I'm not even playing. That's probably what it is, but I've never seen it because someone told me what happens in the first episode and they're throughout. I'm like, yeah, I just can't. I'm not, I'm not, it's not worth it. I'm not going to help the enemy do, do its job, right? So um, can you cue up another, another question real quick? Um, so your identity in Christ brings authority. You are the king's kid. He says that he wants you to approach the throne boldly, right? So what, uh, what is speaking with authority even mean? Okay, so I own a gym. Marcus works for me. If I, Marcus is the best employee of all time, aside from my other three ones. Um, he's amazing. But what authority looks like is if I'm like, hey, Marcus, can you go vacuum this? Or, hey, Marcus, please go vacuum that. You know, what that would look like is like, here I am in a place 
where it's like, that's, that's for me to say. It's totally within my right that I can be able to say that and I have confidence that it will get done, right? That's what authority looks like. It's in the simplest form, you being able to operate within a space where you can say something and know what should happen within those dynamics. So when you speak to uh, a demon that might be like inside of somebody, that's what authority looks like. Not saying like, come out of him right now? Like, that demon's like, no, I'm comfy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Instead of being like, I know how this works. You can't stay here anymore. You have to leave right now in the name of Jesus. And then some things start happening. I'd like to talk about that a little bit um, as well. Matt, you got a cue? Yes. Uh, and, there, and there's far more. You can probably hit this one quickly. But um, what is the difference between being tempted by the enemy versus like demonic attack so temptation and demonic attack if there's a differentiary what is it i would say that they would both be um under the umbrella of being attacked right but there are like different degrees of it so um for example okay here's here's a good one if you if you are in your right mind you can think and you have a clean a clean mind I could tell you to go walk over, <laughs> this is such a dumb example, but I could tell you to go walk over to that wall and I could just be like, all right, don't think about anything. If you're like at peace and let's say like there's not any like outside family stressors or work stressors or anything like that, normally you should be able to just look at that wall and just, just be comfortable. Just be comfortable with who you are, where you're at right now, here and there. But if something comes and just, comes into your mind, you're like, dude, why, why? Where did that come from? Like, if you close your eyes and you see, like, a sexual image or something like that, that's just like, why does that happen when I close my eyes? You, you didn't preemptively try to think about it, right? Those, those would be some things that are, uh, could be considered tax. Um, another thing is them coming in, in your dreams, like I was, I was saying. There's, like, hellish dreams that can happen. There's also like a woman can come into your dreams and start romancing you. And that's obviously very bad as well. It's un unwelcomed. Um, headaches, um, weird, like un unexplained, you know, injuries and stuff like that. Um, and full on taking on a demon's ideas for your life is like what, what we what might call like possession, you know, but there is a, a doorway where it's not just attached to you and it happens and it's like, huh, we got them, you know, because we wanted to. It's, it's what I said before, it's given uh, ideas and those are rejected and taken. And after so many uh, ideas planted in you, taken, 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 they can make you more like them than what God wants you to be like, so. Is there another one, Maddie? Uh, all right, here's an interesting one. Kind of, it's gonna flow right off the back of what you just said. Is it possible? Is it possible to be attacked without ever personally opening up the door to a demonic attack? That's a good one. Um, I would say yes, um, because we look at Jesus. What doors did he open? He didn't open any doors. He didn't really ask for it. All that he did was be the man of men, the awesome of awesome. And there's a target on his back because he has such a high calling on his life. So God can actually give you a target on your back by saying you're chosen to do great things. You know, and they're going to come for you. They're going to come against you. But the degree of any, any ground that they could take, hopefully it's zero, right? 
but they're going to come, they're going to tempt, they're going to try. Um, and that's just kind of the case for, for everybody. So there are obviously like varying degrees of ways you can open yourself up uh, to demonic things. One of those things, like if you're practicing witchcraft or things like that, you're, you're obviously engaging in a way with the spiritual realm where you're welcoming in mysterious foreign things, right? So when, when trying to do deliverance on a person like that, um, which I haven't had the pleasure yet, um, you, you will see like a greater manifestation because this is not a, a spirit that is into hiding. This is a spirit that's been welcomed into the public. So when, when uh, doing a deliverance on a person like that has welcomed that in, it's, there's no secret that the demon you know, is there and is very active in the person's life. So, um, but when it comes to like, man, it's just something I've been struggling for a long time. It's like, dude, why are you thinking the way that you're thinking or um, whatever it might be? Sometimes those manifestations within a deliverance aren't quite as extreme um, and can be like shaking, drooling, groaning, grunting, um, and like really, really bad pain throughout your whole body and headaches, and some last a little while, and some are pretty quick, um, but it kind of kind of varies there. What are some of those things that are like opening people up to those types of things? What are, uh, her, her, Adrienne's question was, what are like some portals that people might not know? Are you saying like, um, like a, yeah, like tarot cards, a Ouija board, um, crystals where you're like, uh, like people who are like really in seeking of like energy or like I need this good energy or it's like I'm on the lookout for, this is actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So there's people that are like looking for sequential numbers again and again. It's like, oh, it's 222. You know what that means is that, you know what, something is happening and the universe is looking out for me. The universe ain't, man, the <laughs> the, the 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 dark the dark world wants you to think about that two 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 being you know that looking out uh, the universe looking out for you. So when it's two twenty two, they're probably going to like trigger you to be like, yo, look at that clock. And you're like, what time is it? Oh my gosh, you know, or like every instance, <laughs> every instance they're gonna play their hand and be like, I can really get them to believe like, yo, I've seen so much power in the universe. There's no way that I believe in Christ. Why would I? I believe that, that maybe Christ might be cool, but I think this is cool too because, you know what, I've seen power in that and that's kind of how I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable within this place. He doesn't need that person to turn into a monster. He needs them to stay away from Christ. And if they're finding power and answers in different places, then why would they turn to God for answers, right? So those are, those are uh, those, that's a good question. Things to stay away from as well as just any, any type of sin that... Um, really all sin, you know, is, is a gateway, especially uh, ones that become habits and are repetitive in your life. Those are ways that they can just be like, all right, this is part of who you are. You're not, uh, you know, you're not, you didn't just steal once, you, you steal, you're a thief. You're going to stay that way, and that's who you, that's part of who you are. Um, is there any more questions? And then I kind of want to, we can keep going on questions. I don't know how what we're looking at on time. I could be up here forever fielding this question. Yeah, this honestly. is great. Is everybody having a good time? Are we yeah. enjoying this? So, yeah, I think we can go a little bit longer, man. Um, okay. I got a few questions. Just tell but me when to I will, cut. I'll cut <laughs> quick before they cut his mic off. Um, there's a couple from this uh, phone number, so I want to just kind of like 
round them up together. Um, one, which I think is pretty cool, is um, are demons broken or killed when Jesus delivers us? Um, and where, or, or, do the, or, or where do they go? Do they go back to hell? Um, and where within us do demons even reside? Our soul, our spirit, our flesh? Just kind of those practical areas of the demonic. That is an incredible question. Um, for the most part, I don't know. Um, so <laughs> I'm a dude where I'm totally cool with being like, dude, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, and I can, I can own that because me saying the right answer doesn't really make me feel a certain type of way like I'm cool. And me saying I don't actually know doesn't make me feel like an idiot. So um, what we do know, though, is the, the scripture where it says when you cast a demon out, it will leave for a while, but then it'll come back later with seven of its friends um, and family, and it will see if that, that home is still vacant. And what they'll do is they'll fill it up again, and they'll fill it up even, even worse than they did before. Um, so I think from Scripture, and Matt, you could piggyback off of this if, if I'm missing some Scriptures, but for the most part, what, we, what I think we see in Scripture is that we don't say, like, all right, demon, like, die. And it's like, all right, cool, like, it's dead. <laughs> like, we, we can head out. You're free. That one ain't coming back. We don't actually know if that one's coming back or not. I think that scripture kind of uh, shows that it, it will come back, and, but, for, but you are completely free in having, knowing who you are and your identity, and knowing that, okay, this, this demon told me how worthless I am, and we cast it out, and we replaced it and filled it, like, like that scripture says. It needs to be filled. It needs to be cleaned out. It needs to be whole again with, with the truths of Christ. And what that would be like is, well, to combat that particular demon so he has no holds, you need to know your identity and you need to know uh, how valuable you are when he was, because he's the one that's telling you that you're not at all, right? So do you have any anything capitalized on that, Matt? Yeah, yeah, just briefly I would add, um, I thought it was brilliant what you just said. Um, I would add, too, that we don't have, we don't have any accounts in Scripture of, like, um, a human fighting or beating or killing an angel, so to speak. And if, and if the demonic and, and, and angels that fell with Lucifer, if, if, if we're assuming that these are the same spiritual beings, which I believe we are, um, I would say then, yes, all of the instances we see is, well, Jesus cast out demons and they went to the pigs and then they committed suicide and jumped off the side of that mountain. Did the, did the demons die with the pigs? Probably not. The pigs were just a vessel and the demons were then released to go back into the earth, uh, roam the earth, go back to hell. So I think it's kind of around the same thing where um, we have authority and power to cast them out and to uh, toss them aside and, you know, send them back to hell like Jesus. Um, but I don't have the confidence to say at this point in my many young years of life to say, oh, I think we can just absolutely destroy the demonic. I think when we read Revelation and God saying, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, destroy uh, the earth, I'm going to destroy hell, I'm going to cast the enemy into the lake of fire once and forever, and then I'm going to bring about a new heaven and a new earth where they're sealed away, their fate is doomed, all the demonic is done. I think that's when we see the final uh, nail in the coffin, so to speak, of, of all of hell in its entirety, um, but we have the earthly ability to cast them out. So, yeah, you reckon? I think that that's good because Every example we see is that we see them being play, like taken from one place to another, yeah. and the, with the like with the pigs as well. Um, that even at the end of the day, when Jesus comes back and he wins the victory of victories, 
he doesn't kill them either. <laughs> he puts them somewhere, right? So um, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, hit me. All right, we can, yeah, we can do that. Um, and then I want you to just go off. Um, why is it harder to cast out some demons than it is others? So there's a few things that are kind of at play. Um, one, like we kind of talked about it being kind of etched in your identity, um, <laughs> that sometimes you don't really understand if you completely want it all the way gone and you might actually hold on to it. So what I like to do when I do deliverance is I want a person who is in agreement about what we're trying to accomplish together and that they truly do want to be completely free as well. And it's way, way easier because I don't have to convince them that like, oh yeah, it is, it is a demon or uh, it's, not, it's, it's something that they want to let go of as well and not something I'm like pulling from their closed hands. Um, other, other reasons that one might be more difficult than another is um, demons are, uh, come in different strengths as well. Um, so there are, uh, what are, what are the, I'm trying to think of, so, so with, uh, there's, I'm trying to think of where the scripture is, but there's, um, there's some demons that have like higher, higher rankings than other ones. Right. Um, I'm trying to, trying to think if you remember, but, um, some of them have like higher capabilities, uh, than other ones. And what, what that would look like is like, all right, so I, actively know about them and I'm fighting against them, they're probably going to send like certain ones like to Matt, to Adrienne, where they're like, they're head of a church like and have a high, high calling to forward this movement. They're going to get some different types that are really after and holding them down in a lot of ways that you might, you might not have that same type of, you know, experience. Yeah. So they're going to have an onslaught of attacks in different ways than, you know, Timmy, who's, you know, goes to church every, every Sunday, but you know, he doesn't really do anything, but if he tries to, that's where they want to keep him. <laughs> and it's always Timmy. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there, there are definitely demons that uh, vary in, in strength, as well as I think that the duration of time that they kind of have been latched on um, and been holding on and bound to you uh, can play, potentially play a role as well. So good? Okay. Um, we got, we got a few more quicker ones. Easy. Okay. Uh, are guilt and shame necessarily demonic? Uh, I would say, I would say if they're not um, with the Lord, then they're against the Lord, right? So hey, come on. They can be. Uh, so I would say that feeling guilty, like that, that can be like a feeling. Mm -hmm. There could be maybe a, a spirit that comes in a in in the form of making you feel maybe feel guilty. However, for the most part, those originate maybe as a feeling, mm. but instead they attach to that feeling, that moment of weakness, of, of sin, and you being outside of the identity that God is calling you to be, and they're like, oh yeah, we get behind that. We see that he has stepped out of line, has stepped out of the path when the Lord is a lamp unto our feet, and he strayed off and felt guilty, felt shameful, and Jesus is like, dude, you don't need that. You don't need to feel that way. Come back home. Like, I have a place for you. But in that moment where you step off that line, you better believe that there's a lot of things coming to make you feel more welcome in your guilt and shame and that that's what you deserve and that's the way that it should be than coming back. Yeah. It's really hard to come back sometimes. I wonder why, right? Because right. it's so good for them. It's what they want. It's the, the greatest thing that they have in store. If you feel guilty, you feel shameful, then you're not going to be very useful for the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's good. Uh, here's one on practicing witchcraft. Um, but this is more, um, I'm just going to kind of try and 
make sense of, of this question, but if someone is attempting to put a curse on you, and maybe you're present and you're praying against it, or maybe you have later hindsight knowledge of the curse being put on you, um, what is the best way to kind of just overcome that if you can speak into that? Okay, so I would say um, I don't have a lot of experience with this. I don't know anyone that's like, you know, tried to curse me. But um, what I think, is, what is a curse? Okay, we would think like, man, okay, what is the counter attack to a curse? Someone is speaking words into the world about something bad happening to you, about, you know, uh, who you, way you should feel or whatever it might be. They're speaking words. Mm. So what, what would we do? We would speak words too, except our words have far, far more authority and yeah. carry far more weight to completely block and destroy yeah. anything that comes against us. Yeah, that's good. Um, here we go. Can, you're going to love this one. Hey, Can man. you have multiple demons attacking you for different reasons and in different areas? Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so there can be... Uh, there can be so many different ways that a person is is messed up and hurt. Um, normally, kind of what you see is you you might you might see numerous ones on a person's surface and on their character in a certain way that they operate. Um, but maybe you might only see one. So you could cast that first one out, and you could be like, "All right, that one's in the clear. We know that that one's there." And goodbye, awesome. And they're like, "Yeah, I don't want to be that way anymore either." Or maybe you cast it out a smaller part of their identity um, that they've been holding to, or the demon's been holding on to. Um, but they can come in various forms and trying to destroy you in every single way possible that they can, right? So mm -hmm. what we see with uh, the man with the legion of demons, he's got a legion of them. He's got a ton of them. Yeah. They all have different, probably different interests and different jobs on how to destroy this person. One of them is, you know, trying to make him destroy his flesh and look like a monster. One of them's trying to get him to cry out and scare everybody away. One of them's trying to make him feel worthless and that this is the, the cards that he's been dealt and this is the way that it should be. Another one's telling him something else, right? So they're, uh, the devil absolutely hates your guts. There's nobody that hates you more, and he's not taking it easy on you. Yeah. He's not going to choose one way to tear you down, and he's not going to stop there. He's going to find another foothold for that door to be open in your house and come in and keep attacking and finding new ways. So what we need to do, um, I don't know if you got more questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what we need to do, it, with keeping with the house, the house metaphor, um, which we see throughout Scripture and your body being a temple and such, um, as well as the demon leaving and bringing its friends into your home. But if, you're, if your house is clean, there's nothing really in there and they have room, they'll see, awesome, let's all come in. So what we need to make sure that we're doing is um, combat, combating those things. When something is gone, you, you, you fill yourself up with all the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. So the complete opposite of the way that you felt before, because unfortunately, I have a, I have a buddy that I probably do a deliverance on every single year for the last six, six years. And it's a similar type of demon that comes and does the same thing again and again and again because he has such a hard time identifying with who God says he is. And he, he's, he's on fire for a little bit, but then he goes back and he, he dives back into the same practices and the same default setting 
of just kind of living in other person's life that's going to keep on doing the same things and not be disciplined in his word and attending church and find a community around him that he find I find him the same way to the point where I've had numerous numerous times with him um, so there's been there was one night this is one of the coolest uh, very interesting things so he was I did have done this deliverance on the phone. I've done numerous deliverances on the phone. I've done, I prefer to do them in person, um, but a lot of them have been on the phone. So um, he was just like telling me that he wanted to kill himself. And he, this was not uncommon, but for whatever reason, like I was, I was awake at this hour and I, I hit him back and I said, all right, man, um, like we need, we need to take care of you. We need to pray for you like right now. And he's like, no, nah, leave me alone. I'm fine now. I'm like, dude, you you can't lie to me. I know you're not fine. So I got the person he was living with to go and bug him. And I got him on the phone. I'm like, Jordan, you need to get him out of the shower. You need to get him like on the phone with us right now. And we need to take care of this thing. And he's like <laughs> yelling at my friend. And he's like, leave me alone. Like, I just want to, like, he's just in the shower. The guy's trying to take a shower. And my buddy unlocks the door, beats the door down and says, get out here. Zach needs to pray for you. And he's like, gosh, <laughs> like, <laughs> leave me alone, man. Like, I'm, I'm coming, fine. So we finally get him to, you know, get out of the apartment because we don't know, like, how loud it's going to be when, when it goes down or anything. So um, we get him out of the house. It's probably, like, 2 or 3 a.m. And he, well, they sit in, they sit in uh, their car. And they got me on the Bluetooth speaker, and I just, start, I just start praying for him. And my buddy lays his hand on my friend. My friend lays his hand on the friend that has a demon. And immediately his hand starts burning like red hot. And he, like, he feels like, I feel like I'm going to lose my hand if I don't take my hand off. But I know that I have to keep it here for whatever reason. So he's keeping his hand on his shoulder and his hand is like burning. Yeah, like he's like, I'm afraid I'm not going to have a hand after this. So he looks up and the entire car is just fogged completely to the windows. So I'm praying for him, and like at this point, my buddy that's helping me didn't like he's never heard anything about demons, didn't believe in it, didn't know anything about it, and here it is. Here's your intro, demonology 101. We're delivering this this dude right now. So his hand is on fire. He's like, whatever's going on, it's real. So we start praying, and then I get done, and then my friend prays for the first time. He's never delivered a demon before. He's praying his face off. He doesn't remember what he said. I don't remember exactly what he said what he said, but I know it was like it was like from the Lord exactly what he was saying. And after he said amen, my friend took a deep breath and he let go and immediately all the fog from the car windows just was gone. And like something something left in that moment. Um, but upon not taking care of yourself and being at war. This is about war. Being at war against what is trying to hold you down. It, they, will, they want to come back, and they want to harm again. So the following year, same thing. It comes down to it, and he's like, man, I'm tired of feeling this way. When it comes down to it and being like, I know what this is, and we're going to get rid of it, he changes into a different person. His eyes change, and he starts talking about how much he hates himself and how, he's, how worthless he is. I'm like, dude, I'm sick of listening to this demon. Stop it. And he's like, he snaps out of it, and I'm like, Dude, we got to pray for you and got to get got to get rid of this. And um, the manifesting with with the and there was another time <laughs> Micah was there, um, and we're praying for him. And Micah had his hands on his head like this, and his fingers were kind of split a little bit. And I just felt a pressing of the Holy Spirit for whatever reason. 
We're praying in tongues, and the demon really hated that. They don't know what's going on. They can't understand it. We can't understand it. We just know that it's perfect. We just know it's absolutely pure and holy prayer when we pray in tongues. So we're, we're praying for him, and my little bro here, he's got his, we're both praying in tongues. Maybe you weren't. Maybe I was. I was. You couldn't yet. Now he can. If you want to pray in tongues today, well, we can hook that up, and God, God wants you God wants, uh, wants you to do that. We won't get the hookup. We'll ask for it. Um, but uh, <laughs> thank you, Lord. He's, he's about like, I'm going to smite this guy. Um, but it, even though, just like a little weird, fun, fun story, because these are like interesting stories. Um, not going to act like they're not kind of fun. Um, but Micah had his hand on his head like this with a little split in his fingers. And for whatever reason, I felt compelled that I needed to put my hand between Micah's fingers and start praying for him. And at that moment, he really started shaking and grunting and just like like bad headaches and just moving around. And I'm like, whatever, whatever's going on, I don't know, but it's good. Um, and then after he finally gets delivered and all, all the peace comes, he says that he felt like a knife was like got pulled out of the top of his head, exactly where I put my hand, when I put my hand there. Um, so... There, there's been a few cases with, with healings where sometimes the Lord is asking for your faith and asking for your boldness sometimes, or that you need to place, place hands because there's power in that. It's scriptural that you would do that, and that the Lord moves mightily in those ways um, for whatever reason. Sometimes you just don't need to. Sometimes, um, some, a lot of the time you do. Most of the time you do. So. Is there any questions or should I go? Yeah, real quick. Let me get this one in. Okay. Um, briefly, I would just add to that too as far as keeping your house clean. And yeah. I think you'll appreciate this. Mm-hmm. If someone breaks into your house, what do you do? You change the doors. You change the locks. You buy a gun. You buy your wife a gun. You learn how to use the gun. You buy a big dog. You get a security system. It is the same thing with the demonic. You live differently after someone's broken in, after someone's trespassed, after someone's terrorized you. You live differently. You get the sword out. You learn the sword. You know how to wield the sword. You get some dogs. You get some guys and girls around you. You act differently. Amen? Amen. So that's how we do things. All right. Um, and then I want you to rip, but this is really good because, um, I think this kind of encompasses a lot of the, the rest of the questions. Um, but what is the best way, because we're Christians, we're Christians. So the demonic isn't just simply about us preventing demonic in our lives, but us combating the demonic in the lives of those around us. So how do we, what is the best way to approach people, um, that we see the demonic in or see the demonic on and as well as like. What if that person doesn't acknowledge that they have a demon? So um, you might have to reframe me to come back to part of the question. But if someone doesn't, doesn't know that they have a demon, um, you, you might have to uh, convince them. Yeah. If, if there's something about them that they don't want to let go of, it's really, really difficult. And I'm, I'm not saying it's not possible that you could just run up on somebody that's just totally out of their mind and you just started the conversation with Jesus name demons get out of him now I'm not saying that couldn't happen right but for the most part when it comes to under someone understanding that there's something going on within them they have the the legal authority within their own body to let things go and to hold things in and we uh, advocating part of Christ we have the authority as well to do that same thing with other people but ultimately 
they have the mo most authority over their own temple because Jesus, uh, it, it, it's a tough question when it comes to free will. Is Jesus the type of guy who knocks on your door or is the guy, the guy that kicks your door down? Well, he's done both in the past in the Bible. But as a normality within scripture, it's normally he wants you to choose that you're going to follow and that you're going to give up the, your own authority and your own flesh um, to come and move forward. Um, but if they're... Uh, if you see that in somebody else, I had that, that conversation today with a person who has, uh, I probably so sounded like an absolute crazy person. I tried to get them to uh, attend tonight, but they have just some like wild, wild stuff that they have like off the wall lies that are absolutely ridiculous. Like not even good lies, not even questionable lies where it might, might be real, it might not be real, just absolutely bogus lies. Um, and I told, told his mom, I was like, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what you believe. And you're going to think I'm nuts. You might never want to talk to me again. But if you're involved with the church at all and you believe, you know, in, in Jesus, like I believe that there, you know, there are potentially demons holding on him and harming him and keeping him from being able to, to speak the truth. They're really holding him down. And went through a lot of, you know, back and forth, not so sure. Yeah, I think it's family stuff history stuff and like well it could come from your family as well but um ultimately they, they didn't come and i was really excited because he was going to be freed like never before and i'm going to have to try again at a later date but deliverance is happening tonight but he he for whatever reason <laughs> you know there's stuff that's holding you back and harming you but at the end of the day you still have the authority to run to jesus on the shoreline and, and even if it's not your own words like, I believe that that man with the Legion of Demons had the, had the will deep down inside of him that he wanted to be free to the highest extent because he had the control in the moment to run to the feet of Jesus even if he verbally didn't have the control and the demons were speaking at that time. I would say educate, get them under the Holy Spirit. If, you, if they're going to a church that doesn't have the Holy Spirit reigning and, and flowing and moving, then it's really tough to feel any conviction like there might be something off. The number one way to know that um, something is lying to you is spending time in God's presence because it makes you aware of any other presence that isn't God. But if you're not in that presence, like Matt said, it could be God's voice I'm hearing. It might be something else. But when you're in, in the presence of the Lord regularly, you have that relationship built up that you know what he sounds like, what his peace sounds like, and what his guidance sounds like. We want demons to, when they speak, to feel like absolutely ridiculous. Like, dude, are you crazy for even trying? It's like, that's a terrible costume. That's a terrible disguise. I know it's not me. I know it's not the Lord. I know it's you, and you have to leave, you know? So um, I would like to welcome, uh, welcome the... Uh, worship team up if you'd like to like to come up and get singing um <laughs> so um it's not a shame to have a demon it is a shame to know that you have one and let it stay if you if you felt at any moment anything that may have like tweaked you or anything like like man i just feel like this is really uncomfortable i want you to be like the man from the tombs that just was like beyond everything inside of me that reasonably wants 
to, to do. I'm just going to run. I'm just going to go. Like, because the, the devil has no mercy for you. Why would you have any mercy except for running to the feet of Jesus who has all mercy and all authority and all power to kick everything out that's not supposed to be there? I, I firmly believe that we all have certain things that are, that are holding us down and attacking us, and there's different degrees of that. And if you feel like something has really been ingrained in your character that is unnatural, like uh, unprovoked thoughts, dominating thoughts, in a certain situation where you've, you've opened yourself up to wanting to think and see people a certain way, but maybe you're seeing people as a, in a different way as lower than you because you have such a, a heart pain inside of you that the only way you can feel good about yourself is tearing other people down. Whatever it is, if you have anything like that, we have to get rid of it tonight because, man, it would be a shame. be a shame to let that thing live comfy where it's at now. Right? So, um, we can start playing some music. Um, I don't know exactly what this is going to look like, um, but it might come in the form of, uh, of injury, um, of, a, of a headache, um, or simply these types of thoughts. So, if you would just, if you would just pray with me real quick. I want you to, what we're going to do is, uh, Lord, remember, remember one thing, sorry. Like I said at the beginning, you are more of a spiritual being than a human being. You're not a human having spiritual experience right now. You're a spiritual being. Activate that reality and that that's more true than the fact that you're a human. <laughs> it sounds nuts, right? But, but being in that place, excusing yourself and where you're at, just be with the Lord right here in this moment. And Lord, we ask you as we, as we close our eyes and we seek you, Lord, that we pray and we just visit you and that we, Lord, I pray that we would just see you right in front of us. I pray that you would expose anything that is not of your spirit. Right now, Holy Spirit, come and move right now in every single person and give them a conviction that there is someone in their house that they, they, that they can't stay anymore. I pray that as we enter into this moment where there should be absolute peace, just dwelling and sitting with you, that where nothing matters except for that fact, that if there is something holding and binding a person, that it would be shown and it would be taken into the light right now in Jesus' name. You have to show yourself right now in the name of Jesus. No more hiding. No more going under the radar. We're calling you right out. Calling you out right now in the name of Jesus. You have to be free. You have to be free. God is saying to some of you right now, I know that thought. I know that thought, I know that way that you're thinking right now and it's not mine. God is jealous for you. He loves you like crazy. He loves you more than absolutely anybody and there's no compare. He says that he knows that thing. He knows that thought. He knows that pain. And it's not from him and he doesn't want you to carry it anymore. So if there's anyone bold enough as we go crazy and start singing and worshiping that wants to be delivered completely, 
come up to the front. Come up to the front right now. Right now. Don't let that thing, don't let that thing stay. Matt and Scott, if you want to come up. Adrian. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, anybody else. If you're swaying in your chair, you feel really uncomfy right now. Come on up. This thing can't stay. This can't stay. This can't stay. This can't stay. Also, I don't know if it's going to throw anything off, but for whatever reason, I just I sense a great prophetic anointing on Kayla's voice right now. So I don't know if there's any way that she can start singing this tremble song, but I feel like the second Kayla begins to exercise her prophetic anointing on her voice, demons are going to shudder and things are going to break loose. So that's, that's the direction I'm feeling, if that's possible. Yeah, let's do that. That's awesome. Um, this isn't everybody, though. This, there's, there's somebody still here. Needs to give it up. Needs to take that move. Needs to go. It's, I'm not saying it's everybody. It's not, it isn't always a thing where it's everybody. But I know that there's one person that's like, man, I'm going to look really dumb if I don't get up and go. You just got to go. You got to move. You got to make it happen. You got to fight for yourself. God's fighting so hard for you. You just got to submit.